welcome back to Jake's World, episode 45 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is, fucking I have my watch on, Tuesday, November 11th, Tuesday, November 11th. Let me just start off today's show saying, I love when I'm right. I love when I'm right. There's really no better feeling in the world. I'm just kidding. There are plenty of better feelings in the world. But it is awesome when you're right. What are you talking about? Two of my, uh, how should I word it, central themes of my podcast that I've been doing for six months now, on and off, kind of half-assed, within the last few weeks have been right, which I just kind of realized that before I sat down. Um, The first one, Antonio Brown. This one is developing. I don't know if it's really going to come into play, but um, through the first two weeks, it looked like I would have to eat my words, eat my podcast, or as Big J Journal say, eat their column. Good thing I don't write columns. Uh, Casey Willis, if you're wis- listening, I do owe you a um, a column eating because I said that DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray weren't going to pan out like they thought they were, and I will make it public on the record. I was incredibly wrong, and that does feel quite shameful, but. It is what it is. But back to being right. Antonio Brown had been doing um, pretty good things with the Buccaneers. Um, He's kind of blended right into Tom Brady's offense. I was able to scoop him on my fantasy football team. But uh, he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. But... Don't count the clunker against the Saints. I think he had like eight targets. He only had three catches and 36 yards. So he had eight targets. And last week against the Carolina defense, he had seven targets for 69 yards. Nice. He's blended right into that offense. But something came out uh, yesterday, the day before, about a little incident he had before he signed with the team. Now, I am reading a Miami Herald article. Before Tampa Bay signing, Antonio Brown destroyed security camera in his looks community. I'm not even sure how you say that word. Whatever. Antonio Brown, the superstar wide receiver who recently returned to the NFL after a slew of off-the-field troubles, was accused last month of angrily destroying a surveillance camera at the gated community in Hollywood where he lives and throwing his bicycle at a security guard shack, <laughs> according to the police report obtained by Harold. Hollywood police determined that there was probable cause to charge Brown with misdemeanor criminal mischief for the October 15th incident, the report said. But the Homeowners Association president declined to press charges, according to the report, saying she feared Brown may retaliate against her employees. The incident, which has not 
previously been made public was the only only the latest for Brown, who was signed by Tampa Bay less than two weeks after the fracas at the luxury Hollywood Oaks development. The Hollywood Police Department exceptionally cleared the case on November 5th, according to the report. So, um, you might be thinking, Jake, you're a bonehead. I'm also thinking that, because I am a bonehead sometimes. But, if he's willing to not disclose something like this before being signed with the team, what else is he going to do? Right? It's clearly a loose cannon. Um, he seemed to be, you know, composed under wraps right now. But I think that's remained to be seen. Now, I did say on the podcast title that he's a locker room cancer. Which, I don't believe that is to be the case yet, but we will see. Like I said, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, he might, well, he might just, you never know with him. Like, seriously, he's a loose cannon. He might just pop up in the news by, for doing something stupid one time or another. He can do anything. So, guess we'll see with that. The big one, though. The election news. I said a couple weeks ago that I don't know what's going to happen in the next two weeks. And I, that's pretty a pretty generic take, honestly. But I feel like most people have written off the Trump campaign's efforts to challenge the legality of some of the votes that were cast in multiple places. I think these people have written them off written it off because oh he's just trying to undermine the election the news is reporting that as such and uh why should we pay any attention to him he's just being a sore loser i don't know i really don't know now um yesterday evening clark county one of the precincts in clark county that's las vegas nevada refused to certify the election results for that little precinct. I think it was like 130,000 votes that that precinct did not um, sign off on, essentially. And then I read some, I saw some article from the Detroit Free Press a couple of minutes ago that said Wayne County, Detroit, is not signing off on their election results either amid with um, all the issues Michigan has had allegedly regarding their computer counting system so I guess I said it wasn't over yet <laughs> it's not I think it's just getting started so I mean keep an eye on it I mean honestly I don't think anything is going to change I think it's a tall hill to climb it always seems like things of this nature don't really uh get overturned but um we'll see i don't know uh, and that's all i'm gonna talk about in regards to that election stuff because honestly <laughs> i'm sick of giving it attention to and i would like it to just be resolved so i'm gonna transition away from that so a lot of sports to talk about today a lot of sports to talk about today I couldn't be happier to do it. So, 
NFL Week 9. As a Packers fan, I was very disappointed to watch the poor effort against the um, Jacksonville Jaguars. Sunday afternoon, I was unhappy to lose money on them, betting them against uh, taking the spread. They looked bad, right? They looked really just lackadaisical, not ready to play. Um, not, not ready to play, just flat. And uh, I think they are the best team in the NFC when it comes to record right now. Uh, I don't, trying to think, I mean... Tampa Bay's lost three. Seattle's lost three. Saints have lost three or four. I'm not that brilliant. I don't have all the records memorized from the top of my head. But um, if you're a normal Green Bay fan, or I shouldn't say normal Green Bay fan. Normal Green Bay fans are typically a little bit delusional on the on their team, but uh. If you're a realistic Green Bay fan, you got to be a little worried about um, the um, honest chances this team has in the playoffs. They're a lock for the playoffs. Lock. They're going to win the North. Not, Probably not going to be close either. I mean, the Vikings have lost six games already. The Bears look atrocious. The Lions are atrocious for the most part. They're going to run away with the division. They're going to win the division by four games, probably. I mean, I imagine Green Bay's going to lose two more games. That'd be my guess, the most. But um, you do have to be concerned because they don't have a run defense. It's non-existent. It's just not there. That's the M.O. to beat the Packers right now. Run the ball. Just run the football. And you'll have a chance to win the game. They cannot play defense. And I don't understand what the issue is. Their secondary is pretty good. They play good coverage. I mean, Jair Alexander is the best cornerback in the league. You have the Smith brothers up front. They're pretty freaking good. Their pass rush isn't awful. Their linebackers stink. They cannot play run defense. That's how you beat that team. Run the ball. And I don't understand what's so hard about temporarily defending that. Right? Look at the Vikings game, for example. Dalvin Cook ran all over him. Kirk Cousins is garbage. If you watched the Bears game last night, Kirk Cousins didn't play terrific by any stretch of the imagination. I think he had two turnovers. Bears offense just stinks. 
And, I mean, that game was kind of weird, too, because it's just their defense didn't get stops like they needed to. It seemed like every time each team got the ball, they scored on, like, the longest drives ever. They Neither defense wanted to get a stop. It, just, it was a little weird watching that game. But it's, it's easy to beat them. Just run the ball. You run the ball 30 times, and you get five yards of carry. So it seems like they do. You're not going to have a problem. It's going to be fine for now, but when you get to the postseason, things are going to be different because those are complete teams. Those are better defenses. Those are teams that can pass the ball against a good defense. You can't stop the run. That's like that's the name of the game. Like you gotta play run defense. That's what all teams try to establish early on. All good teams, anyways. And it's just <laughs> you gotta figure it out. I'm a little worried about next week against the Colts. The Colts play physical football, and I think that's the biggest takeaway. Teams that play physical football are going to own Green Bay. It's just the way it is, and they need to. They need to get around that. They got to play physical. They got to be ready the entire time. And right now they're not. I mean, they're going to drop a game or two that they shouldn't. Hopefully they don't. But I don't know. You got to be real, a little realistic about it. But whatever. Anyways, um, Seahawks look terrible. They cost me $200 in a parlay. Thanks, Russell Wilson. You will probably not get an MVP vote this year, and now I don't care because I'm mad at you. Um, what is next? Um, wanted to bet the Ravens against the spread. Take New England plus 7.5. I didn't. I'm dumb. Um, trying to think what else. I mean, this week, this week was really weird watching the games because you had five noon games and six three o'clock games. <laughs> um, just trying to go from the top from Thursday night football all the way through because we did pay attention to pretty much every game this weekend. Um, Titans are frauds. The Titans are frauds. Derrick Henry's really good. I mean, the Colts defense is really good. The Colts are like a sneaky good team. Like, they kind of lull you to sleep, you know. Their M.O. is running the football, and you're not going to get a ton of anything special out of Philip Rivers. You're just not. He's an older quarterback. He's never been all that athletic. He doesn't make the big throws. He can't throw the ball down the field. And the Colts are just, they're going to be in it. They always, they've seemed, they have seemed to be in it every year ever since they parted ways with Chuck Pagano and hired Frank Reich but (laughs) can you trust them either I don't know it's just like this year has been so strange so many teams are weak every team in the NFC at least has like a fatal flaw fatal flaw there's no complete team I feel like in the NFC even in the AFC there's the teams up top minus probably the Chiefs and seems as if the Steelers they don't have any flaws those are the only two teams that are like mortal locks for the AFC championship game it seems like um going through the rest of the game I mean the Patriots bounce back or excuse me the 
so used to the saying Patriots when it comes to Tom Brady. Um, the Buccaneers bounced back really well. They played against. They played well against a kind of faltering uh, Carolina team that just can't seem to catch a break on the injury front. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater uh, left the game early with a knee. I think his his MRI came back negative though, so he's okay. But McCaffrey was out again. Uh, their backup isn't going to get it done. Um, going through the rest of the games. Kind of got a little sidetracked there. I don't know why. Um, the Raiders play physical football. They're going to be in the hunt. I've been, I mean, I'm each week, I'm not, let me restart. It's kind of um, difficult to go through each slate of games because I'm not I don't do like a strictly sports podcast I mean I probably could if I like prepped it and everything but I don't want to be that right but I feel like each week it's kind of the same thing right now it's just there's no at least in the NFC side there's no real um real complete team and it seems like the bottom or the middle of the pack in the AFC is the same way. Like I said, there's the Steelers and there's the Chiefs. Chiefs didn't play this weekend; they had a bye. It's like those are the only two teams you can count on. And every week, it's kind of been hard to do a, you know, a, um, what's this word I'm looking for? Like a high-level rundown of each week because it seems like it's so generic. Everything's just back and forth you know a lot of par football right just win loss win loss win loss I mean it's kind of that I mean I talked about at the top of the show Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins that was probably the most exciting game um really sloppy but Bills and the Cardinals are going back and forth Bills tie it up or take the lead with like 30 seconds left in the game, and then Kyler Murray gets the ball back, throws up a Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins, and he dunked on three guys, as he put it. First Hail Mary we've seen of the year to decide a game that that made Cardinals look really good because the guy who executed that trade for the other team is now gone. He was fired in week four. David Johnson had a better season than he did last year, but he's out. He was out with a concussion. Um, that looked like a huge win for the Cardinals. They're going to be right up there. Rams, Seahawks. The Seahawks have been fumbling as of late. If Russell Wilson doesn't play great every single week, the Seahawks aren't going to win, and he hasn't been great. Well, he hasn't been good. The last two weeks, but even the last four, five, six weeks, he hasn't been Russell Wilson. So their defense is a problem. I saw some stat that they were allowing like over 400 yards a game passing to the opposing team. Like, oh my God, how are you going to expect to win any games, yet alone a playoff game with a defense like that? That's terrible. But um, continuing. Said the Steelers, Bengals, that game was a blowout. Um, Raiders, 
that game wasn't really close the entire time. The Chargers love losing one possession game still. It's like all the same things. It's kind of hard to really get in-depth about everything. But um, Ravens are another team, too. It's like Lamar Jackson can't – if they can't run the ball, Lamar Jackson can't throw. And it's like – I talked about this a few episodes ago, too. This might have been a little while back. It's like the best story thing. Think about the guys, aside from Pat Mahomes, of course. Think about the guys who have won the MVP in all sports, like as of late. It seems like it's the best story. Lamar Jackson isn't an MVP caliber player this year. Not even close. Like, he can do one part of the game very well, and he wins the MVP because he comes out and has a fantastic season, and defenses don't know how to cover that yet. They don't. They haven't seen a guy before. How do you scheme to that? Especially with the option play they can do. It's like you realize how versatile he is. But he hasn't been passing the ball well. That's a big flaw for them. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it seems like generic football. You know, no favor. It's just, it's going to be a fight till week 17. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to line up where. It seems like everyone likes to beat the crap out of each other. But, uh, I don't know. I was kind of disappointed, especially with the slate of the games. 3 o'clock, there were six games on, and we don't have red zone, so we were only able to watch three of them. And then the one game that you were really excited for wasn't exciting whatsoever, being the game of the week, Seahawks-Rams. It was an ugly game. They turned it over, like, six times put together um yeah just kind of it was just kind of a disappointing week of football i'm also kind of bitter because i lost some money like that made me mad the seahawks over doesn't hit like what world are we living in come on russell wilson i'm a wisconsin guy so are you like respect respect the fans please please for me okay anyways Let's move to some golf. I haven't talked about golf a lot. Masters was this weekend. I don't think I've ever watched as much golf in one week my entire life. I I like golf. I like watching golf, but I always watch it kind of casually. And this time I was like super into it. Just because, you know, Tiger was playing and, you know, that awesome story last year, him winning the Masters. I think everybody wanted that to happen. And it's really cool how... It's not even just the golf community that roots for that guy, right? It's everybody. Like, the whole world kind of stops and pays attention when Tiger's in contention at a major. And he wasn't really ever in contention this week. I mean, Dustin Johnson won by, what, four strokes. He had two bogeys on the first three holes, first four holes in his last round. But after that, he kind of, he just locked it in, right? And it wasn't really close after that. It could have been, but Answer was in his group. Um, this guy, uh, Sung Ye Im, he was in his group. They, they just didn't really put the pressure on him. And, uh, yeah, DJ kind of coasted to his first green jacket. Um Tigers 10 on the 12th hole. Put it in Rage Creek twice. That was really weird. 
Uh, he's never posted more than a 10 in his entire PGA career. And then it's like fate, right? The hole that um, three guys splashed in last year in order for him to be in contention at the Masters on the last day is what he absolutely imploded on in the last day. And then he goes on a tear for four birdies in his last five holes, six holes. But it was super frustrating because, I mean, I was dialed into Tiger too. And it was just really frustrating because it's like I watched him play 18, pretty much watch every hole on the first day. And he looked pretty good for the most part despite not getting in birdie range really at all. That was the thing. It's like he could have shot minus six or minus seven on day one and really put himself in a different spot if he wasn't 20 feet away from the cup every birdie putt he had. And then day two, he just came out a little slow again. And then he got, um, they had to call it for darkness. That happened twice because of the weather delays they had. And, I mean, it was definitely different watching this happen in November as opposed to April in the spring which was it was different I mean you can tell the course played different but it was just everybody was rooting for Tiger and he just kind of didn't show up and I think we kind of overhype him every time anytime he plays because I mean he's electric he's been electric for 20 years and people want that story right and then another big story too was Bryson DeChambeau um, he's the yoke guy if you're not a golf person, right? He's the guy who is changing golf as we speak, right? He he was just a normal golf player last season, and I mean nothing too special. He was always that guy who just was always seemed to be in contention and never really did anything. Always. If he had a lead going in the last day, he always seemed to lose it. And if he was in contention the last day, he never seemed to step on the accelerator. But uh, he's kind of gained notoriety for entirely changing the way he plays golf. He put on a shit ton of weight over last offseason. And uh, he pummels golf balls. He's huge now, right? He's the, he wears a dorky newsboy hat, which I like newsboy hats, but he just looks like a knob out there because it's all Puma stuff, and he looks huge. He's just bursting out of his polo. And, and I mean, he's pretty insufferable, but it's kind of like he's kind of taken the narrative of golf this year because he's like the biggest story now. But um, he kind of was the talk of the – golf world leading up to the tournament because he said oh Augusta this weekend is a par 67 for me if you don't know anything about golf par is 72 so he's like minus five every day Uh, he's essentially said I'm a lock for a minus 20 he barely made the cut the cut was even it was a low cut um typically with majors like that and you know best players in the world fall, small field size your cuts probably minus two or minus three it, it all depends on how everybody else plays but um there were a lot of guys who didn't play all that well and the guys that were in the top half didn't really 
seem to, you know, keep the pressure on the guys at the bottom to, you know, play well. And he played terrible, and he ended up making the cut. So we got to watch Bryson for four days, and he didn't do anything. I think he finished, like, minus two. So, I mean, golf's fun. Just remember that. Golf is always fun. But it was really cool to see DJ win because DJ's been, like, one of the best players in golf for a really long time. And I think this is, like, only his second major he's won. Maybe he hasn't even won one. I know it's his first Masters, but... He's always a guy that just never seemed to be in the winning circle when it mattered the most. And it was really cool to see him, like, humbled by something he's really good at, right? Like, he grew up an hour away from the course they played at this weekend. Um, he's always been one of the best players in the world. He was ranked number one. It was, just, it was cool. It was. It's nice to see somebody else win, too. And then, speaking of stories, Jordan Spieth. Like, talk about a collapse of being one of the best players in the world. I think he won the Masters four years ago, five years ago now, and he's awful. And it really sucks to see because, like, he was seriously one of the best players in the world a few years ago, and it's just like he can't get out of his own head. It's almost like the Rory McIlroy thing, too, because it was the same thing with him. Just, you know, playing at the top of his game five five years ago a little less than five years ago and now it's just like they've been struggling ever since and golf is one of those games where it's like sometimes you can do everything right and it still doesn't work out you can do everything wrong sometimes it does work out it's just one of those things and it's like sometimes you just don't catch breaks i don't know but definitely a good change of pace a lot of golf this weekend a lot of football but something I haven't been able to talk about in a while is basketball. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the NBA. I think it's a petty league. I'm not into the pettiness. It's super petty. Like, it's horrible. I think these guys are all prima donnas. I mean, they're all really talented, but I just don't. I'm not into it. I don't like all the drama that some of the NBA fans like. I think they're jackasses for liking it, but that's just me. Whatever. It's the second most popular sport in the country. It is what it is, right? But um, free agency and the free agency um, that starts later this week. Um, trade preseason trade stuff started, and a lot of action this week. A lot of action already, and it's been a f what two days. Um, Bucks made a big move, probably the biggest one of the biggest moves thus far. Um. They signed um, Drew Holiday, or they traded for Drew Holiday, the Saints, or the Saints, the Pelicans. They gave up a few picks for that. Eric Bledsoe, and they moved another guy, too. I don't remember the other. Or um, George Hill, um, Eric Bledsoe, and I think another guy's in there, too. He's like Rashawn Elias Silva or something. I could easily just look up the, the exact trade, but I don't think that's as, as important as who the Bucks got. They got Drew Holiday and Bogdan Banjanovic. I think I said that right. The Kings. Uh, we'll see. The, I'm assuming they made these moves because Giannis is 100% committed to the team, even though I think he's made it pretty clear that he didn't want to go anywhere. Seems like all the other guys in the league want to go somewhere, but he's not. 
I like the loyalty because it seems like this is a really unloyal league. Um, they're going to be good. I mean, they would have been good if they didn't make any moves, but this really shows that it's now or never for the Bucks because they gave up some picks, a couple first-round picks, and you could argue that, I mean, how good they are right now, those picks for the next two, three years aren't really going to mean anything anyways because realistically they're probably going to get anywhere from a 24th to a 32nd pick. 32? I think there's 30. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should be 32 teams. If I'm wrong, it's 30, but 30, 32 teams. Yeah, those picks aren't going to be fantastic. And the NBA drafts aren't very deep. It's not like. It's rare you find guys after the a lottery pick that amount to superstars, right? I mean, there's only two rounds, there's 60 total picks in the NBA draft. You've given up a 30th pick probably isn't going to kill you, even if it's for two or three years. So, Russell Westbrook, he might be on the move. Uh, I'll get into the Rockets a little bit because that's a dumpster fire, what's going on there. But um, I was thinking point guard for the Thunder. Chris Paul got moved to the Suns for like Kelly Oubre, um, a couple other guys as well. You know what? I'm just going to look it up. Bear with me for a second. But... um. Chris Paul, I mean, you can be excited for the Suns, right? But um, they'll be better. I mean, yeah, they were great in a bubble, 8-0, still missed the playoffs. But I don't think Chris Paul's the answer to anything just because he's a notorious non-performer in the playoffs, whether it's, you know, lack of the clutch gene or quotes on that it's lack of the clutch gene or you know an injury down the stretch I mean look at the Rockets right when he was there they they should have been in the they should have been in the NBA finals against the Cavaliers in 2017 2017 20 yeah I think it was 2017 where they went one for 27 for three in the second half one for 28 and he missed 27 in a row like he was a part of that it's harder than him like how do you do that how do you do that and that's no he's no stranger to that lack of clutch in the down the stretch right but um Phoenix Suns acquired Chris Paul for forward Abdul Nader and Chris Paul um Thunder received Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen Leke, Leke, I'm not even sure how to say his name, and a 2022 first-round pick from the Suns. Um, the Thunder got a ton of picks, too, so, I mean, they're going to be really bad for the next couple of years, but 2024, 2025, that's when they're going to be pretty good, especially when you're stacking together some high picks. Because they're getting Suns picks, right? Suns were bad. They're, they're probably going to have a lottery pick. I mean, imagine so. They missed the playoffs. They're probably going to have like the eighth or... Well, the NBA lottery is weird. How they think it's like the first eight teams they do an actual lottery thing with. It's not exactly based on how you uh, finish the season like in some sports. I think in football it's like just the la the worst record. 
But um, you'll see they're going to be pretty good. Pretty good going forward. Um, so, Houston Rockets. Oh, my Lord. What a shitty year for Houston, especially. You have your Astros getting caught with the cheating scandal. They make the AL, or the, yeah, the ALCS, and they almost win, and it's like baseball karma happens, and you lose in Game 7. Um, they've been, you know, being thrown at all year. Twitter accounts of the shame tour, you know, giving them shit all year long. That's no fun. Texans, oh my god. I mean, you fire your GM and your coach. He makes, like, probably the worst trade in recent memory. Get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that's not good either. Now you have the Rockets. Oh my lord. They completely fell apart in the last two weeks. They part ways with Mike D'Antoni, their head coach. Daryl Morey, their GM, steps down. Russell Westbrook's going to get traded. And Harden wants out too. No sleep till. No sleep till. He wants to go play for the Brooklyn fucking Nets. Now. Before you say it's not going to work, because if this is the case, it will not work. Kyrie Irving and James Harden will not work well together. That would, if it were to work, it's that's worse than the Kevin Durant trade, if you ask me. It's worse. Because James Harden has been in a position for over the last four years to be able to do this. Get to the finals, and so has Kevin Durant, mind you. But just look at the way they'll play together. Kyrie Irving and James Harden, two ball-dominant guys playing together, making that work. And, like, why would you even be tempted to try it? Oh, just because it's a change of pace and it's the easiest way to probably get a NBA Finals ring? Like, you just tried that with two ball-dominant guys who didn't get together. He was your teammate, Russell Westbrook. Like, it's not going to work, dude, just logistically. But say it does, and it's like, oh, my God. The Nets are probably already the favorite to win the NBA Finals, even more so than the L.A. Lakers. I mean, you've got DeAndre Jordan, Kevin Durant, um, Kyrie Irving. And the Nets were a team that probably could have made the playoff if all of their guys played in the bubble. A lot of them opted out or were injured, right? I mean, that was a better squad this year without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving for most of the season, or part of the season at least. And Durant was recovering from his Achilles injury. Like, that team is already up and coming. And then you add a huge piece in Kevin Durant. And it's like, now you're thinking about James Harden? Like, come on. Parody of the league, please? I mean, Anthony Davis signing with the Lakers already pretty much ruined the NBA. But then we all thought that Kawhi Leonard was going to go there and really ruin it. But then it turns out Kawhi Leonard chooses the Clippers to play with Paul George, who they're probably interested in moving as well. 
that didn't work, but at least we had hoped that it would be semi-competitive. And then the Heat kind of saved the day because they had this young core of guys that really meshed well together. And Jimmy Butler was a star this year. And Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder were good veterans that made it competitive for him at least. Right? I mean, then we were... I think, like, all those narratives kind of went by the wayside just because of the bubble situation, right? You know, having a delayed season. And I think people were just itching to get sports back, you know, in light of everything else going on in the world. We kind of forgot about that. And we were like, we don't care. We just need to consume sports one way, shape, or form. So I think that whole um, competitiveness of the league narrative kind of went by the wayside. But honestly, if you ask me, now this is not possible whatsoever just because of the way um, sports leagues trend. They need to lower their salary cap like they do. Now, think about it. It would make sense, of course, because one, the players would never sign off on a cap at that uh lowering the cap I mean that wouldn't make any sense because I mean your league is bringing in additional revenue by the hundreds of millions every year I mean I don't buy any of the nonsense about um, people being like oh they did all the protesting stuff I'm boycotting the NBA that's not gonna hurt them I mean all once once all that settles down, and I mean it pretty much has been just because other things have been dominating the news cycle, but it it's just not going to be at the front of people's minds forever. I'm sorry, it's just not. Should it be? Yeah, probably, but it's just not. I mean, that's just honest. It's it's not, and um, it's going to go back to normal eventually. Eventually, people are going to tune in and watch again because they always have and they probably always will. But I think you'd get a much more competitive product if you were able to um, lower the salary cap for these guys. You know, you wouldn't have all these super teams assemble. It would get rid of that, oh, I want to team up with this superstar and this superstar and this superstar and I'm going to chase a ring even though anyone with half a brain realizes like uh yeah that ring's not exactly legitimate because I mean you did kind of just pretty much break the system in order to get it and I mean the older guys didn't do that I mean you got one superstar you always needed two superstars but now it's like some teams have four it is just frustrating. I wish it was a little more competitive, but I think those days are over. I think this is the new norm. It's just going to be who's going to play with who. It's like the competition of rentals, right? Who's going to sign one year to win a championship, and where are they going to go next? It's just the way it is. I don't like it very much, but, I mean, there's no real sense in complaining about it. But it would be nice to see a salary cap in an ideal world that way. It's like all the talent is spread out, and you really see the two best teams. I mean, or you won't automatically see the two best teams or the two teams with the most talent every year make the playoffs, run to the finals, and then 
you might have a competitive series. We were lucky to get a competitive series last time. Most people thought the Lakers were going to run away with it, and they got to six games. I mean, I think, what, they lose four games in the playoffs up until that point? Three or four? I don't know. I mean, like I said, ideal world, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to see some loyalty in that league, but it's it's been long. It's been gone for a long time. And LeBron James kind of started that trend. I mean, you can argue, oh, Dennis Rodman joined the Bulls. It's like, well, Dennis Rodman was not a superstar on the court. He was a superstar personality, and he played great team basketball. And that's kind of... That's the MO now, I guess. So I've been talking for long enough, had a lot of sports to talk about, and uh, it was nice to talk about something a little more lighthearted for more than 10 minutes at a time, and something aside from football, too. So definitely more coming up. I mean, the NBA free agency is kicking off soon. The trades are going to keep coming through. Um, Hopefully we'll see some more sports come up along the way too. Hopefully we get some more NFL stories because seriously, I've been in a football rut and I'm never in a football rut. It just seems like, I don't know, some of the games are entertaining. The scheduling needs to be better. They need to do a much better job with the slates they've got because it's been pretty disappointing the last two weeks. And stop putting Kirk Cousins a fucking prime time, please. All right, that concludes today's show. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at JakeSawinski8. That's at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Oh, please rate, review, subscribe. Please, please, please leave a review. It'll help me. Maybe I can help you out, too. So take it easy, guys. Talk to you next time. Peace.